Thank you, ladies. Joshua chapter 2, verse number 12 is my text verse, and that phrase at the end of verse number 12 where Rahab makes the statement, give me a true token. I want to preach this morning on the subject, give me a token. I believe you'll understand as we go through the message this morning. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray, not out of requirement and certainly not out of habit, but I pause to pray because I hunger for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I have studied, I have prepared, I have prepared my heart, my mind, and my notes, but all of that, Lord, is vain. Unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down and meets with us today, and I pray that you would simply use me as a vessel filled with your power to accomplish your will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The children of Israel had been promised the land of Canaan. It was a land called the promised land. It was a land where Israel would become not only a great nation, but the greatest nation on earth. In fact, all nations of the world would be blessed by and through the nation of Israel. However, when they went into the land of Canaan, the land of Canaan had seven nations in it. And God had told them those seven nations are greater and mightier than you are. But you can take the land, the land that I have given you, little by little. If you'll have faith in me, I will give to you the land of Canaan. The first city and people they would face would be the city of Jericho. Uh, we've heard the stories uh, from Sunday school and the songs from Sunday school about the walls of Jericho. Jericho was a walled city. It was a city that was surrounded by a stone wall of protection. It was a good and strong people of that day. The Bible tells us that Joshua sent two spies into the land of Jericho to spy it out and then bring back word as they would make plans. And all of this is interesting to me because God had a plan that they didn't know and they didn't need their own plan. But they set up a plan as they sent spies into the land. If you recall the story, the way they took the city, God told Joshua, I want you to walk around the city every day for seven days. On the seventh day, you're going to walk around seven times and the walls are going to fall not because of your strength but because of your faith in me. That's the story of what happens. But in the beginning, Joshua sends in the two spies. When they go there, word is out that two spies are there from the land or the people of the Jews, uh, this group of, of uh, slaves that have been coming across uh, uh, the wilderness and they knew, uh, in fact, they were afraid uh, because of what they had heard and what God had done for the children of Israel already. And so when they come into the city, uh, there is a woman there by the name of Rahab and uh, Rahab hides the two spies that come into the city. And I'll not go into the detail of all the story, but Rahab didn't have anything spiritual going for her at all. She had nothing to commend her uh, to the Lord. In fact, uh, Rahab, she was a Gentile. Uh, she was an idol worshiper. 
Uh, she was a harlot. That's how she made her money according to the scripture. Uh, she was a sinful and wicked woman headed uh, to an eternity of death and hell. But in this story, this wonderful story, a story of marvelous grace like they just sang about, Rahab came to put her faith and trust in God. And aren't you glad this morning God saves old sinners? I'm glad that they said of the Lord Jesus that he's a friend of sinners. And every time they made the statement, it was an accusatory statement, negative. Uh, but the truth is that that's how you and I got in because Jesus is a, a friend of sinners. And I'm glad that he is. It was an amazing conversion that she had when she met these two spies, these Jews and the people of God. I want you to notice again the testimony that she gave and point out something as a side note from verse number 10. The Bible says, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. Now word had spread. Uh, the news had spread. These people are on the march toward our land and uh, the Red Sea should have prevented them from coming, but God departed the waters. Then it says, when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites, and then uh, he said in verse number, she said in verse number 11, and as soon as we had heard these things, our heart did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. I wonder today how many people in our world know about God, but they don't know God. It's our job to get them to the place that they don't just hear about how great our God is, but that our God wants to be their God, and he wants to be their loving heavenly Father. Thank God for these two spies that gave to her the truth of God and she had a wonderful conversion and she put her faith in God. I know uh, many folks that through the years that I've witnessed to, they knew about God. They knew that uh, God was the creator and the sustainer of the world, uh, but they never met him as Savior. I'd like to introduce Jesus to you today, not just the creator, but he wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your friend. That's a wonderful thing. Now Rahab makes a statement in verse number 12 I want us to see. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house. Then she said this, give me a true token. Now what did she mean? She wanted a token or she wanted a sign or she wanted a security. She wanted an assurance from these men that when the soldiers came to invade the land of Jericho, that she would be saved because of her faith in God. And she added to that and she said, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, our life for yours. You see, she not only wanted to know that she was saved, she wanted to know that her family was saved and safe as well. And they did, in fact, give her a token. They made a promise to her. She said, swear unto me. They made a promise to her. They said, our life 
for yours. Now, before I get to the message, which is God not only loves us, God wants you to have every token of assurance that you can have that you are his and he is yours. One of the works of the devil is to get us to doubt that God loves us. One of the works of the devil is to get us to to doubt the assurance of our salvation. And I want you to know that as these spies gave to her a token of assurance, God gives to us tokens of assurance so that not only we are saved, we have the assurance of our salvation. I'm going to give that to you before you leave today. But I want to, I want to make this note. Not only was this woman protected, listen to this. She became the mother of Boaz, Matthew 1, 5, who was the great, great grandmothers of King David and an ancestress of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You know that God not only saved Rahab and he changed her, he made her an ancestress to not only King David, but you read it, Matthew 1, 5, Hebrews eleven thirty one of Jesus Christ himself. I'm glad when he saved me, he didn't just say, now you can sit out here and look in. I'm glad when he saved me, he said, now that's your seat at the table right there. Excuse me while I get excited. He didn't say we've got some leftovers we want you to have. When he saved me, he said we put your name on that seat and you get at this and you get to sit at the table with the king. I'm glad when he saved me, he made me a part of the family. I'm glad I'm a child of the king. I love the old song that says, My father is rich in houses and lands. He holds all the wealth of the world in his hands, of rubies, of diamonds, of silver and gold. His coffers are full. He has riches untold. And I'm a child of the king. To look and see where this woman came from and who she was and what God made of her, what a miraculous work of grace he did in her heart. I want to tell you one other quick story that blessed my heart. I read the story uh, this week of a man who was a miser, and, uh, be, and because of it, he's very rough and unkind. He was uncultured, he was un, un, unclean, and that's not the part that blessed me. <laughs> but I read about this fellow, and uh, he, he just, everybody stayed away from him. He had a nice house, but it was run down and dirty, just, just, just a rough fellow. And they told the story of how this man, as he was going along Main Street, he saw in a store window a beautiful and expensive vase. He fell in love with that vase, and he decided to buy something for himself that he hadn't bought in a long time. And brought that, bought that beautiful vase, and he brought it home, and he set it on his mantle. But when he put the beautiful vase up there, he recognized that the paint on the walls was dingy and dim and dirty, and because of that vase, he needed to paint the walls. After he painted the walls, he noticed that the ceiling needed to be painted, and he noticed that the carpet needed to be replaced and that his house needed to be clean. And because of that vase, he totally remodeled his house, and a, and a, and a, and a different man came from that. And I want to tell you something. When you bring Christ into your life, He'll affect everything in your life from the ceiling paint to the basement floor. And that's what happened to Rahab. Now she said this. 
She said, when you come back, I want to put a token for you. I want to put a red scarlet or a red rope or a red thread out my window so you'll know this is my house. And she said, I want you to give me a token. That red scarlet represents the wonderful blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll find that crimson red flowing from the time that Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. And God took that innocent lamb that was a picture of the coming Savior and shed the blood of an innocent lamb. And that blood that was shed uh, provided for them with the uh, skins of the lamb a covering for Adam and Eve. And that satisfied God. And that scarlet thread runs through the Bible. Now I want you to know this morning, God not only wants everybody to be saved, He wants you to know you are saved. He don't want you to live in doubt. He wants you to live in faith. He wants you to live knowing that God loves you. I want to give you some tokens this morning that we find in the Word of God that are assurances. God said, I want you to know, I'm going to give you this because I want you to know you belong to me. Reminded of the story of the prodigal son when he came home. The father, the Bible said, saw him a great way off and he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. He brought him home and he said this. He said, kill the fatted calf. In other words, I've already fattened the calf. I've been waiting for the boy to come home. And then he gave to him not only a robe and shoes, he gave him a ring. Now in those days, the ring was the power of authority in that family. And he wanted the son to know, you belong to me. You have the right to make purchases using this ring with the insignia of your father. You have the right. I want you to know this morning, you're a child of the king, and God wants you to know that. First of all, the first thing God gave us as a token of our salvation, God gave us his word. Now what the Bible says of these spies, they said this, our life for yours. Brother Joel sings a song entitled, His Life for Mine. I'm not going to heaven because of who I am. I'm going to heaven because of who he is. I should have died on the cross of Calvary, but God so loved me that he gave his son to die on the cross in my place, in my place, and his life was given for mine. And God said, I give you my word. This is his word of the assurance of our salvation. I want you to know this morning you can believe God over your feelings. You can believe God over your failures. You can believe God over your emotions. You can believe God over the words of others and whatever God says that is settled in heaven. A bumper sticker said, the Bible says it, I believe it and that settles it. That's not a bad bumper sticker, but another one that's better says this, the Bible says it, that settles it whether you believe it or not. It's settled in heaven in the word of God. The Bible says in John 10, 28, John 10, 28, I give unto them eternal life. These are the words of God. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I'm secure in the hand of the Father. You have God's word on it. If you prayed and received Christ, you, you say, but I was a child when, you did, uh, when I did that. That's a wonderful testimony. 
You say, but what if I didn't understand? The Bible says it's not the faith of an adult that uh, the child has to have, but he says to the adult, you have to have the faith of a child. And as a child, we don't question, and we just trust in what is told us. And God said, if you'll trust me and the faith of a child, I'll give to you eternal life. And he said, we're in the hand of the Father, and no man can take you out of my Father's hand. John 5, 24, God said this, Verily, verily, the word verily means truly. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. You shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now, folks say, Yeah, but preacher, what if I fail? There's no what if to it. We don't just fail, we are failures. All a sinner can do is sin. We're sinners. And when we get saved, God does for us three things. You've heard me. You've seen me do this. I'm going to tell you again. He takes away all my sin. He takes my sins, the psalmist said, and he buries it in the deepest part of the ocean. I'm glad my sins are forgiven. But Psalm 32, the Bible says, He never imputes or records another sin to my account. You say, what if I sin? God doesn't put it on your account. It's on his account on Calvary. But wait a minute, he does more than that. He does more than take away our sin. He does more than never impute our sin. He gives unto us his righteousness. So don't ever trust in yourself to go to heaven. I'm not trusting in myself because I've been good since I got saved. I'm trusting that I'm going to heaven because he gave me his righteousness. And when you look on my bank account, it has his righteousness there. Fellow said to another, what would you think if you found a $100 bill in your pocket? He said, I'd think I had somebody else's britches on. <laughs> but when you look at your account, what used to be sin, now is not only no sin, it's his righteousness. It's not a mistake when you look at your account and see that your account is filled with the goodness and filled with the righteousness of an almighty Savior that died on the cross and rose from the grave and ascended to heaven and promised to come again. I'm going to heaven because of his righteousness on my account. He gives us his word on it. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John eleven twenty nine. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Jude 1 and verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. 1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You're carrying today a token of the assurance of your salvation. God said, you're saved, but I want you to have a token. I give to you my word. Thank God for his promises. What do you do when you have a question about insurance? You go find the policy. You see if it's covered. You find out if you have insurance, it's not covered. I mean, the only thing covered on my policy is a tsunami. Ah, but that's not true when it comes to this policy. My sins are covered. I'll give you a second token. That's the token of the precious blood of Christ. My salvation was sealed. My sin was covered with the precious blood 
of Jesus. Think of these words written by Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. In the Old Testament as they built the tabernacle, God said to Moses, I want you to look into heaven and I want you to see there's a tabernacle in heaven and I want you to build a replica of that on earth. And they did. They built a replica of the tabernacle in heaven on earth. It was a symbol. It was like the one in heaven. And in that, uh, uh, in that tabernacle, there was the outer court. Uh, that's where the labor was. Of the, uh, that's where the altar was. That's where the labor was. And then there was the holy place. And then there was the holy of holies. If you could imagine the church auditorium being the uh, outer uh, court of the uh, tabernacle and then this being the holy place and the choir loft being the holy of holies. The holy of holies was uh, separated from being seen by a great curtain uh, that was uh, between the holy of holies, the holy place, and the outer court. No one could go into the holy of holies except the high priest. And as a picture of what happened in heaven, uh, you see, uh, the high priest on that day of atonement, he would take uh, the blood of an innocent lamb and he would take it to that holy place, that holy of holy place, and he would offer that blood as atonement uh, for the sins of people and the righteousness of God for the people. Nobody could go into that holy of holies except the high priest. Do you understand when Jesus was crucified, and this was an amazing miracle, when Jesus was crucified by that time, they no longer had a traveling tabernacle. They had built a temple there in Jerusalem, and the temple was a place that took the place of the tabernacle, but it was still a replica of what was in heaven. And you see, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil of that temple was rent in twain from the bottom to the top, and what people could not see or go into. They could now go into because it was open and they could see. And what happened was that was just a representation of what Jesus does. Listen to me. When Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed on the cross of Calvary, Jesus became not only my, my Savior, uh, my King, he became, he was my high priest, and he took his blood to the mercy seat in heaven Oh, my sins are covered by the blood. My salvation is sealed. It is sealed by the precious blood of Christ. You want a token for your salvation? There it is. Quit being so proudful to think it's anything to do with you. Quit doubting your salvation as if it has anything to do with you. Salvation is sealed by the person of Christ. First of all, by his word. Second of all, by his blood. Third of all, it was sealed a token, the resurrection of Jesus. When Christ was crucified, no doubt, hell and Satan rejoiced. The Savior of mankind was in the grave. They sealed the grave with a stone. They said, we don't want anybody to take his body and for people to think he's risen from the grave. But on that third and appointed morning, he arose from the grave. And the stone was rolled away, not so Jesus could get out. 
was rolled away so we could look in and see and hear the angels say, he's not here. He has risen. Come see the place where the Lord lay. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he's living no matter what men may say. I'm glad this morning the resurrection of Christ is a token of the assurance of my salvation. Rahab had lived a sinful life. She had now helped these two men that had told her about the God that she had heard of and that she had feared. He now became her God according to the scripture. Oh men, when you come back and you destroy the city on your way to taking the land of Canaan, will you give me a token that my life would be saved? They said, we will. And they gave her a token. They gave her an assurance. They gave her a security. They said, our life for yours. And Jesus, knowing our flesh, gave to us not only salvation, he gave us tokens or security or assurances that once we trusted Christ as Savior, we have Christ within us. And that token is the word of God, the blood of God, the resurrection of Christ, and also this, God answers prayers. I could, I, could, I could preach for an hour and a half. I'm not going to. One fellow said to the preacher, anybody ever tell you that they could sit and listen to you all day? He said, no, they haven't. He said, what gave you that idea today? <laughs> but I know he's my Savior because he hears my prayers. Amen. He hears your prayers. He may not hear every selfish request we make because sometimes we ask amiss. But God hears my prayers. I give you the fifth token and that's the presence, the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Now I appreciate the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit and that is a token and assurance of my salvation. But I'll tell you what else the Holy Spirit does that assures me that I belong to him. The Holy Spirit whispers and he says, that's not right. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to live that way. I was thankful for my dad and mom's tender love and care for me. But it was not only their love that was a reminder that I was theirs. When my dad would snap his finger, I mean, it sounded like thunder from heaven. And I was reminded that's my daddy. I better do what he says. Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within? I give you the last thing and I'm finished. It's been sung about all morning. He's coming again. When Jesus steps out on a cloud to call his children, the dead in Christ will rise and we'll meet him in the air. She said, will you give me a token? I, I don't want to live in fear. I want to know for sure I'm saved and my daddy and my mom and my brothers and sisters. I want to know that they're saved. Will you give me a token? And they said, we will. We commit our life for yours. Lord, thank you for saving me, but will you give me a, an assurance? I will. My life for yours. I give you my word. I give you all these things and I'm coming back to get you. Thank God this morning for the tokens of our assurance that we are his. Stand with me if you will. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. As folks come to play the instruments in just a moment, he'll sing the invitation song. If you're here this morning, 
you've never received Christ as Savior. It's not a complicated matter. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of making a decision of the will. I receive Christ as my Savior. Not only will he give you salvation, he'll give you the tokens, the assurance of your salvation. But if you've never trusted him, you ought to trust him today. We would rejoice with you. You can do that in your seat. You can do it right now. You can say, dear Lord, I realize I'm a sinner and I need you to be my Savior and I accept you as my Savior. You can do that now. We'd love to rejoice with you if you'd step out of your seat in just a moment. Let one of these men or ladies take the Bible and show you some verses of assurance from the Scripture that he loves you and he'll save you that simple and that easily. Heavenly Father, bless the invitation, I pray. May your will be done in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. As he sings the invitation song, the altar is open this morning. You're here this morning. You simply have a request of prayer, a burden on your heart. You want to use this altar and say, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to rededicate my life to you. I have a need. I want you to answer. I have a burden. I want you to live. Give me the strength to bear the burden. The altar is open to you this morning. You to come. I want you to feel free to come and pray at the altar. He's a good God. He's a loving God. He doesn't want to save you by faith and then have you to live in fear. He wants to save you by faith and you live in assurance that you're a child of God. You know, I really tried as a boy to obey my mom and dad. I really did. I wanted to please my parents and I wanted them to be pleased in me. There were sometimes I failed. Sometimes I didn't like school as much as I loved them. Sometimes temptation caused me to be disobedient, displeasing to them. Never changed the fact that they were my mom and dad. They gave me that assurance not only with their love, but with discipline. And I'm glad this morning. No, I desire to please him, and I hunger to please him. I want God to be pleased in me. I don't always please him as I should. Ah, but I'm glad that he is always my heavenly Father, and he loves me. I want to sing another verse of invitation song. If you need to come, I want you to come. Just as I am.